I'm Avery, and you're listening to She Ran, a podcast featuring conversations with female-identifying elected officials on what it means to be a woman in politics. During the COVID pandemic, Pride Month, and a resurgence in the Black Lives Matter movement internationally, I want to use this platform to amplify Black queer women, elected officials, to hear what they are doing during such a prominent turning point in American history. It's impossible to address social movements such as feminism and Black Lives Matter without intersectionality. These politicians testify to that, and they fight relentlessly to protect, uplift, and inspire all the members of their community. As a white person, I don't intend to insert my narrative into these discussions. My intention is just to share others' voices. The turmoil in national politics and national leadership instills an incredible amount of anxiety in me and so many of us. But what these women have to share is far more encouraging than anything I've ever heard Trump say, which is not exactly a high bar. But I hope that these episodes will serve as a lens into the more local and regional responses to COVID and the Black Lives Matter movement. Government is like a relationship. In a relationship, if you are not honest with your lawyer, then it's distrust and then other issues um, begin to, to manifest itself. Today, I am so excited to speak with State Senator Sorrell of the U.S. Virgin Islands. She was elected as the youngest woman senator and the legislating body's only openly LGBTQ plus member. That being said, it's inspiring to hear her experience on having to hurdle past these labels in order to get to the quote, bread and butter issues. Could you give me one word to describe the impact of COVID on your community and then just briefly explain why you chose that word? It caused me to be reflective. Our economy is based heavily on tourism. And for too long, we've put all our eggs in the tourism basket and we haven't diversified our economic portfolio. So with the pandemic hitting and COVID-19, we had um, cruise ships. We depend on a typical day, we have like nine or 10 cruise ships. When that halted, our economy came to a complete stop. Um, so you had our tourism stores shut down. Everything was just shut down. Our airports, um, spirits slowed down, Delta stopped flying, JetBlue um, halted, United Airlines halted. Other Caribbean nations around us are independent, so they closed their borders. Mm. So we had a massive influx of borders, yachts, sailors. Um, so what it caused us to do was to reflect on how do we move forward with diversifying our economy? How do we better protect our borders? Um, how are we prepared? another public health crisis because before the pandemic we had two category five hurricanes and they both destroyed our hospitals so mm -hmm. our hospitals were not up to par we have to rebuild our hospitals now and um in the in the event that we have like uh we become the epicenter uh, we would see massive debts so it causes mm -hmm. us to reflect on the slow pace that we're taking to rebuild our hospitals and just rebuild our infrastructure 
Um, I know you are the youngest, as of 2018, the youngest female senator in the U.S. Virgin Islands, and as well as still the first queer elected official or legislator. Um, So I wanted to speak to you about what that experience has been like, and if you could just speak briefly about how that experience has been for you. Um, Initially, it was difficult because uh, people focused on my sexual preference, my orientation. And then um, as I continued to, I didn't give any life to it. Um, as you continue to just discuss, discuss the bread and the butter issues, issues that, um, you know, would join humanity together, issues of structure and power and pay wages, um, I began to shift the focus onto the issues that matter. And I allowed people to see that although I may be a lesbian, um, that has nothing to do with my ability to serve. And I think I was able to bridge the gap through that. Oh, I love it. Thank you. Um, so I know that you ran your campaign based on, well, what I read, government accountability and transparency. And I wonder, I wanted to hear you speak about how that is important right now, specifically with COVID. Um, you know, you have, government is like a relationship. In a relationship, if you are not honest with your lover, then there's distrust and then other issues um, begin to, to manifest itself. But what we did, um, we focused a lot on accountability, holding people accountable, especially in COVID-19, making sure the governor had a plan for COVID-19, Department of Health, making sure that they had a plan, um, making sure that they protected our locals at all costs, because we have a huge influx of tourists. We're a tourism economy. Um, And as far as transparency, I am the only senator to issue um, quarterly reports that include my finances. Wow, that's that's impressive. <laughs> Going off of that, what do you imagine the near future of the United States looking like, specifically the Virgin Islands, in lieu of the current pandemic? I think we're going to strengthen our um, our healthcare infrastructure. We have to, beside healthcare, we have to look at how we um, our social services infrastructure, like SNAP and food stamps. We give food stamps to people <coughs> who need it, of course. And they go and people can't afford food. How do we create access to healthy foods? You have the minority population that already had pre-existing conditions, you know, between pressure, diabetes, and that comes from our unhealthy lifestyle. So how do we promote a healthy lifestyle? How do we make access to food, quality food, um, easier, more affordable? So that's the discussions that we should have, Mm -hmm. I think. I think it's changed a landscape of how we talk about health and our well-being. Yeah, I agree. It's exposed a lot, and I hope that we are constructive with what it's exposed. But yes. Um, so, what do you think is one thing that would be different if we had a woman president of the United States right now? Empathy. Yeah, a woman who you know, women are natural nurturers and caretakers, and I think that we would be able to see a woman who may be able to get on a podium and shed a tear for the nation and say, listen, we have a problem. We have a crisis, um, systemic racism, institutionalized racism. Um, the fact that women continue to put cracks in the glass ceiling, but we haven't broken a glass ceiling. Um, how do we treat our young people? Where are we going with our millennials? How do we create a future for Generation X and those to come, I think we'd see a lot more empathy, um, a lot more understanding and compassion if we mm-hmm. had a woman in office. I agree. I agree. Um, so if you personally were able to 
assume the role of president right now, um, what is the <laughs> first thing you would do? Um, send a bill to Congress on reforms, police reforms, mm-hmm. reforms on racism, and have an open discussion with the nation and the effects of racism. When you look at other nations, South Africa, for example, they, you know, after apartheid, you know, you had the the white South Africans and the black South Africans, and you had massive killing, black boys were missing. Um, It was just social unrest and it was bloody. But you had a truth and reconciliation commission in South Africa where they were able to have a conversation. You know, there's no future without forgiveness. Mm-hmm. They were able, you know, through Des- Desmond Tutu has a book called No Future Without Forgiveness. So they were able to, in that, concil- in that reconciliation, the commission was able to bring mothers who lost their sons to apartheid. And, you know, you had the, those who did the wronging to sit and say, we apologize. We're wrong. Mm-hmm. We're sorry. Can you forgive us? The nation has yet to have a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. We continue to sweep things under the rug. Um, and you, you, and what you see today is decades of just unrest, decades of people being tired and us hiding what is actually a, a reality. So I would call for, and if, if I can't get Congress to pass it, it would be an executive order. And then I will promote... Um, some, some type of truth and reconciliation for a, a real candid conversation on the yeah. issues. One last main question. What are you doing right now to help inspire your constituents to stay at least positive or proactive right now? I make regular postings on Facebook. Um, sometimes they're funny. Sometimes they're inspirational. Other times I, um, I still engage our young people. I'm a coach. I went to school on a volleyball scholarship. So oh. I am, um, yeah, I'm a volleyball player. <laughs> nice. So I continue to um, interact with people and, you know, I go on the radio a lot and I, you know, under um, President Roosevelt, he had the fireside chats where he spoke to mm-hmm. the American public over and over and he had conversations with them and 6 p.m. every night, you look forward to your president having a conversation with you. So I came to dialogue with the community mm-hmm. and I send messages of hope, you know, because oh. the sun is guaranteed yeah, the sun sets every every day, but it's guaranteed to rise every single mm. morning. Wow, that's really poetic. For this season, I asked each elected official five rapid-ish fire questions related to COVID and the Black Lives Matter movement. So what is one thing that you're doing to release stress and anxiety right now? I walk my dog and I work out, I exercise. Awesome. Um, what is the craziest or most exciting quarantine activity you've seen happen in your home or others? The TikToks, the TikTok <laughs> videos. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> um, what is one news source that you're relying on right now? CNN. Awesome. And do you watch live coverage of the pandemic or police brutality protests um, in your house? I do. I do. And what is a book, podcast, or TV show recommendation you have for these times right now? Uh, I'm reading a book by Bertice Berry, and it's called The Ties That Bind. Mm-hmm. And it, it actually talks about race relations, and um, it, it promotes the concept that everybody that looks like you is not for you, and everybody that mm-hmm. doesn't look like you is not, is not against you. Mm-hmm. And um, it kind of ties into Dr. King when he spoke about the legal garment of destiny. 
and that mm-hmm. you can't be what you are to be unless I am what I ought to be and I can't be what I ought to be unless you are what you are to be. So it, it speaks about the interrelatedness of humanity. Mm, that's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for that. I, when I you come to the BI, you. let me know. Yeah. I will. Oh, thank you. I would, <laughs> I would love to visit someday. Thank you for the invitation. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll leave you with the rest of my theme song, A Woman's World by Estelle.